After an eventful year in cybersecurity, the future doesn't look like it's going to improve for those on defense. Today, I'm speaking with Bryce Bolin, FireEye's CTO for Asia Pacific, on what he thinks are going to be the areas of trouble for next year. Thank you for joining us, Bryce. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. Great to see you again. We're going to talk a little bit about what we expect is going to happen in 2018. And one of FireEye's predictions is that you think that you're going to see more activity from nation state actors such as North Korea, China, Russia and Iran. What do you expect to see around that front? Well, I guess it's pretty clear now for everybody that uh, nation state cyber activity has become quite the norm. In fact, we see about 60 different countries globally, uh, about 15 here in Asia that have offensive cyber capabilities. So I guess the key changes that we're starting to see is around the rules of engagement. We saw a significant change in the rules of engagement between the United States and China uh, in 2015 when an agreement was made between those two nations. And we've seen a significant change in the rules of engagement from Russia over the last two years. Uh, Russia now conducting operations both uh, both very uh, carefully in some regards, but very broad in others, and and we've seen very significant investment in scaling their operations. Um, Similarly, we've seen Iran really scaling up their operations and conducting attacks on a much more significant level than they had in the past. And uh, we continue to see North Korea operating um, and being highly effective in trying to bypass some of the sanctions and limitations on them that have been put in place by the international community leveraging their ability to conduct attacks over the internet and that's given them an advantage in uh, causing disruption in other countries. So I anticipate that this will probably continue. I think we're going to see a number of countries testing the waters to see what they can do in cyberspace. We'll probably continue to see more more information warfare type activities developing as people see the success that Russia has had with its information warfare operations. And uh, I think that's going to become, unfortunately, it's going to become quite normal. Uh, and the challenge, I think, that everybody is going to face is trying to uh, come up with an, a way to create pressure back on countries who are following rules of engagement that are very detrimental to other countries in order to try to bring uh, some uh, structure and, and some sanity, I think, to how these operations are conducted mm-hmm. uh, today. It's, it's really not clear that countries who are developing these capabilities are necessarily going to use them in ways that are you know, limited in terms of their impact on other populations. And that is increasing the, re- the risk uh, to all of us. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen as, uh, you know, Russia was accused of uh, meddling with the presidential U.S. presidential election last year, primarily through data links and misinformation campaigns. Um, you know, China, I know FireEye noted that China's activity following that agreement that you mentioned with the U.S., China's activity that was aimed at sort of intellectual property uh, sort of leveled off, but there's still activity going on in, in sort of other areas too. So do you think that uh, that shows that possibly there are kind of maybe political solutions? Uh, well, I, I certainly hope so. Fundamentally, what we are talking about with cyber attacks is human activity. And human activity is only really tempered by other humans agreeing on consequences from those activities. Uh, today, there are very few consequences to the cyber activities 
conducted by nations. And I want to move on to uh, ransomware and extortion and uh, also some of the uh, you know legislation that's been put in place. You know, next year, Australia's mandatory breach notification legislation will go to into effect. Uh, GDPR in Europe will go into effect. And uh, the U.S. is now once again kicking around the idea of possible federal legislation around mandatory breach notification. How do you think the criminals are sort of receiving this kind of these kinds of moves and what, what sort of action do you expect to see? Well, I think extortion is extremely effective uh, way for criminals to make money. And they've been uh, very effective, I think, at adopting some of the nation state techniques the techniques of stealthily acquiring access, stealthily stealing information, and then finding the best way to leverage it against an organization. What we used to see was organizations were being compromised because they had uh, specific information that could be stolen and then resold. Now we're seeing organizations get compromised because they have information that's of incredible value to that organization, or they have data that is of incredible embarrassment or reputational impact if it is disclosed. And criminals are good at identifying which is which or when they can do both. Um, so that's why part of the reason why uh, we see ransomware being very successful, uh, but also extortion techniques are being used against a lot of organizations. Uh, in many cases, those extortions, are, they don't even require information to have been stolen, just the threat that that information could have been stolen is enough to to bring an extortion against a, a senior leader. Where this comes into play with the regulations is that now we're starting to see not just reputational impact, but also direct financial impact. And so with things like GDPR, there's the potential that an organization could suffer a significant financial impact if a breach was uh, if a breach and, and loss of personal information had happened, that creates a great opportunity for criminals. Now they're not just able to hold the threat of release of information from a reputational perspective over the victim. They can also hold the threat of significant potential financial damage uh, according to the regulatory requirements. We anticipate that criminals will take advantage of legislation, uh, in particular they know now that the breach is potentially going to uh, cause significant financial damage to the victim. They can therefore ask for more money in return for keeping their silence. And then we've got uh, ransomware still. And we were talking earlier about how this has become uh, uh, you know, very common and you expect this to still continue. What are your kind of thoughts on ransomware for 2018? Well, I think it's quite interesting to see ransomware. It's an evolution over the years, and ransomware is not a new thing. But what was new several years ago now is the use of virtual currencies to enable the criminals to operate at scale without putting themselves at risk in the money handling phase of the operation. And what we have seen along with that is the as society has become far more dependent on technology to operate its businesses, is that now every business is at risk. And we've seen, uh, I think what we've seen in the past with sort of fads of different types of malware over the years is that they, they tend to come, someone comes up with some technology solutions, 
criminals kind of change how they approach things and so on. But what we have today is a fundamentally different environment for criminals to operate in. We have anonymity services for them to operate their tools uh, to give them some anonymity in terms of how they receive the funds. And the funds themselves are now able to be exchanged uh, and managed in a way that doesn't put the criminals at a lot of risk. I've got a final question for you, and this is uh, revolving around industrial control systems and also IoT. Uh, you know, we saw over the last uh, 18 months some pretty effective botnets that leveraged IoT. And of course, on the industrial control system side, we've seen kind of an industry that has uh, criminals and uh, attackers have been taking advantage of, uh, you know, basically a landscape that is relatively sort of soft. What do you see is coming uh, in the next year in those areas? Well, there's certainly an increase in uh, focus on understanding what's available in the landscape for ICS and IoT devices. It's not just uh, scanning tools like Shodan that can give you that, that footprint, but we see malware. Uh, we've seen several cases now where malware has been developed that is systematically looking for ICS systems. It's looking for human-machine interface systems in order to be able to effectively provide a footprint that could be used for other attacks. Uh, we haven't seen wide-scale exploitation of that yet. It could be that we're just seeing the beginning signs of nation-states or criminal organizations preparing for that next wave of attacks. Um, in terms of the IoT environment, uh, you're absolutely right that the number of devices on the Internet now far exceeds the number of individual humans. The scope of uh, IoT devices and their vulnerabilities is very large and creates some new opportunities for attackers. It creates the opportunities to build very, very large botnets for conducting denial of service, to conduct um, other criminal activities such as building an anonymization networks, uh, spam relays, conducting virtual currency mining, and just to act as a launching pad for the operations uh, against other victims. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks very much, Jeremy. Good to talk to you. I've been speaking to Bryce Bolin, FireEye CTO for Asia Pacific on Trends for 2018. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk.